0: Welcome back to the Gobble Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill. And hello, Hokies, and welcome into episode 51 of the Gobble Up podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Do you need a new or pre-owned car? If so, head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda around town and I absolutely love it. So if you want to shake things up, go get you a Mazda. Duncan will take care of you over there on 460 Business in Blacksburg. You can find some of their new and pre-owned selection of vehicles at DuncanMazda.net. So check them out if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, we thank you all so, so much for joining us. And if you are on Apple or Spotify, go ahead and subscribe and give us a rating. We would so greatly appreciate that. My name is Carter Hill. I'm your host and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Just me again this week. We are not doing a game day pod, so we will be getting you a podcast ahead of time for what will be a big game for determining the rest of the Justin Fuente era as the Syracuse Orange come to town to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies. We'll preview that right here on episode 51 of the Gobble Up podcast. No need to worry, though. We'll be having some more guests on in the coming weeks, especially as basketball season approaches as well. Approaching crossover season November 9th versus Maine. Not that I haven't been counting. We will be having some great guests coming on here in the next few weeks, so make sure to stay tuned for that on the Goblin Up Podcast. Let's get right into it. Preview, previewing Virginia Tech and Syracuse. First off, before we really get into the nitty gritty of it, though, I want to kind of look back last week against Pittsburgh. We're not going to really recap or discuss the game to much of an effect, but I'm sitting there in Lane Stadium as the crowd fizzles out in the third quarter. The students are leaving. The fan base is leaving. Both are just done chanting fire Fuente after the Panthers pulled out to a 28-0 lead. And I'm sitting there thinking, what just happened? Virginia Tech had kind of found a little bit of their offensive identity against Notre Dame to a degree, and then it just all went away against the Pitt Panthers and and really another just discouraging effort that seems to be a, a common theme year in and year out last year, it was against Pitt at Heinz field in that lifeless 47 to 14 defeat. We've seen that year, year in and year out, like I just talked about in the Justin Fuente era. So really discouraging to see that, especially in a game that, you know, was going to determine who was in the driver's seat for the coastal now Pitts Obviously there at this point, they're probably the, the best equipped to win the coastal division. So they deserve to be there, especially after how they played in Blacksburg last weekend, but, it's still extremely discouraging. You have them in your home house. You have them in Lane Stadium. You have an opportunity to get a big-time win, second big home win in the year and what could have been a third if the ending of the Virginia Tech Notre Dame game had gone a little bit differently. And instead, you lay an egg, and the fans are leaving in droves in the middle of the third quarter and even at halftime, which is something, at least from the fan base side, maybe not the students, you don't see that often. So... Very, very discouraging, especially on the offensive side. You know, defensively for Virginia Tech, you know, they're they're playing well enough to win games. Essentially gave up 21 points after the interception in the red right outside of the red zone. So they played well enough to win. Offensively, though, that's a different story. Again, I'm sitting there in Lane and I'm thinking, what are we doing offensively? Honestly, the best way for me to describe it is they went full Madden mode. They chucked it deep probably once a drive and the drives were only lasting three or four plays, I couldn't tell you how many three and outs there were and, and just just a smattering of first downs thrown in there as well. Tech barely eclipsed the 200 yard mark offensively and that was just because of a last or a, 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 a few last minute. 10 12 yard carries by true freshman malachi thomas in garbage time in the final two minutes it was the worst offensive game statistically in the justin fuente era from a yard standpoint believe they finished with 224 up next was 237 at notre dame in 2019 and the Hokies actually very well could have won that game that's when quincy Quincy patterson was the starting quarterback for that one hendon hooker was out quincy's balling out north dakota state now and hendon hooker while is battling, I believe, a knee or ankle issue after going down against Ole Miss last weekend, is having a good year in Knoxville as well after starting off actually as the third-string quarterback, so he has made his way up. But anyway, this Virginia Tech team, I don't know what they're trying to do offensively. They have the playmakers, Trey Turner, Tavion Robinson. Another good way for me to describe it is Virginia Tech was literally just trying to run the football the first five games of the season. They would not throw the ball. And then Pitt comes to town, and they're allergic to running the ball, and they're literally just going to chuck it deep half the time. Don't even know what routes we were running. Not on the same page. I get Braxton Burmeister's not fully healthy. He actually you know, held his own, but some, some throws were missed, some miscommunication. It seems like just talking to different people and looking at message boards – and obviously you can't always believe message boards, but you know, it seems to be there's some disconnect between the the players and the Office of Coordinator Brad Cornelson. They all love they all love uh Justin Fuente. I know the fan base will you know, not like to hear that, but they love playing for Justin Fuente. But there's been talk all week is Coach Fuente going to take over the play calling. Obviously he had that duty at TCU and then first three years at Memphis, I believe, and now, all of a sudden, you know, what are they going to do there? I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if Brad Cornelson's the answer. You know me. I, I'm not the type to attack play calling or attack personnel or scheme. I, I just – something's not something's not right. Something's not working. It's been year six, and I don't really know what to think. And I said it at the top, you know, this Virginia Tech-Syracuse game is going to – you know, if, if they win, you know – Kudos to you. If they lose, it's going to go downhill real quickly. I believe in Blacksburg, unless there are some changes made sooner rather than later, which is sad to say. You know that big win against North Carolina was you know exciting, none the least Labor Day weekend fans back in the stands. But North Carolina isn't all that good. You know, and then you host Middle Tennessee, you have a sleepy first half, and then you play you know up to par in the second half, and you end up you know only giving giving away seven points. Your, your first, your first, uh, first team defense only giving up seven points, ended up winning thirty-five to fourteen. Then West Virginia, you don't play very well in the first half. You actually have a shot to win the game, really, when they should have towards the end of that matchup. West Virginia, you know their defense is pretty good, but they haven't looked good at all since then. They had that game against Oklahoma where they held their own, but since then, I believe they played Texas Tech, and they'll have their schedule in front of me. I want to say TCU, another lower tier big 12 school and they just have not really looked good at all and then the biggest discouragement well leading up to the pit game was richmond you know 21 10 you only put up 14 points offensively because of the Tavian robinson punt return for a score and really didn't show any signs of life in that one the defense played fine but that was disappointing, to say the least. And Notre Dame, you know, after the bye week, you have an opportunity to win that game and give up, what was it? It was, I'm just going through, through it in my head right now, 12 points. No, no, 11 points in the final four minutes of regulation. You lose at home. It just can't happen. And, and, you know, Virginia Tech, while that game didn't really hurt you from, the standpoint of where you want to go in season, it was a chance for the Hokies to kind of spiral overall. And, you know, we've only seen a small sample size, but it certainly looked like that was the case against Pitt. And I hope it is not the case this weekend against Syracuse because, you know, and this would be a nice segue into the game itself. Heading into the season, I think Tech fans, no matter how good or bad Virginia Tech was this year, because no one knew, I think they would have penciled in Syracuse and Duke as wins at home. Syracuse is not so much so anymore. The Orange have actually looked a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year, and that's credit to a lot of guys that we'll get to in just a second. They're not going to compete for the Atlantic, even though that division is down this year. The whole ACC is down this year. But still, Dino Babers, to this point, may have saved his job. We'll be competing for a bowl game, especially if they win this one. So, you know, it, the Syracuse team, they have the ability to, to come into Lane Stadium and win. And And while Tech is favored, and actually, surprisingly to me, I think it's like a The Hokies have a 70% chance to beat Syracuse at home, according to ESPN, 70, 74, something like that. I don't have that one right in front of me, but actually most outlets that I've seen have Syracuse winning this game, and I'll get to my pick later, and actually, it it kills me, but I'm going to be missing this home game this weekend. Other than COVID last year, I haven't missed many home games in my life, whether I've been working them now or, or going as a fan, but... I am going to miss this weekend, have a family wedding up in Wisconsin, so I have a flight early tomorrow morning, so probably even shouldn't be recording this podcast this late, but you know, I, I definitely want to get something out to you, so we're going to get through it, but into the Hokies and the Orange, let's get right to it. Okay, Virginia Tech, the offense is bad, the defense is good, we know that, Syracuse, the offense. Solid in elite in a lot of areas, not good in some areas. The defense pretty stout for Syracuse. Looking into Virginia Tech, we all know what the what, what the deal is there. Braxton Burmeister so far this year, up to this point, eighty eight for one hundred and sixty three in the passing game, a thousand and sixty four yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions. Through kind of an unlucky pick against Pitt last week, so really he's done a nice job of taking care of the ball, but. He definitely has fallen off recently uh, of late, and a lot of that could be credited to that injury. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully he can kind of regain kind of his form. And then the running game for Virginia Tech, this is where there's a lot of red flags. Braxton Burmeister is your leading rusher with 212 yards on the season. Raheem Blackshear is number two with 197, although I wish we would get him the ball more. He is such a playmaker in space. Jalen Holston with 176. And those are your top three guys. And we'll compare the running game for Virginia Tech to Syracuse in just a minute, and it's going to be night and day. So we'll get to that in one second. Receiving game for Virginia Tech, Trey Turner leads 12 or 25 receptions for 403 yards and a touchdown, Tavion Robinson, 24 receptions, 239 yards and three touchdowns. And then Raheem Blackshear is your number three with 145 yards on 13 receptions. Caleb Smith, 123 yards on 13 receptions receptions tech still has really not found a replacement for James Mitchell Justin Fuente said at the time there wasn't going to be but I thought they would figure something out a little bit more to this point you know if they can get the passing game going we said it all year tech should be a lot better but right now I think you got to worry about the rushing game I mean we've seen how they perform the last few weeks and tech has tried to throw the ball to their credit but not the way I would have liked to see them but you all know about Virginia Tech, so let's get to Syracuse. And if you're looking matchup-wise, again, I don't think the Orange matchup well against the Hokies at all. Now, Syracuse can't throw the ball worth a darn, but they may be one of they, – they possess arguably the best running back in the country. Sean Tucker has come out of nowhere. If Syracuse was better than three and four, quite frankly, he's going to find himself in the Heisman conversation, which is crazy to think about. He's technically a true freshman, a COVID freshman, though. He played last year. And he has had just a phenomenal year. Do you remember that stat that I just told you about Tech's leading rusher, which is Braxton Burmeister, 224 yards. Raheem Blackshear has 197. Sean Tucker has 948 rushing yards on the year, just to put it in perspective. Now, all Syracuse does is run the ball. That's still really, really good. And Sean Tucker actually had, I believe, 130 yards in just the first half against Clemson last week. And that's against Clemson. And Clemson, while they're down this year, their defense is still really, really good. So Sean Tucker is, I, I think he's going to be a problem for Virginia Tech. Not only do they have Tucker in uh, as a threat in the ground game, but Garrett Schrader, their starting quarterback, is as much of a threat as well, especially since he is under center for the Orange. Now Schrader, a Mississippi State transfer and a Charlotte native, actually did not start the year as— Cuse's starting quarterback Tommy DeVito did he recently enter the transfer portal? I believe that was his fifth year up at Syracuse, playing in the Carrier Dome. He loses the job to Schrader, and that has completely changed what Cuse has been able to do offensively. DeVito, he's a guy that was going to throw the ball. Syracuse doesn't have guys to throw the ball to. All, all due respect to that receiving core for Syracuse, which we'll get to in just a second. I got some stats to prove that. Garrett Schrader. He's a guy that will run the ball. So if you can compliment Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader in that backfield for the orange, that's a pretty deadly one to punch with your quarterback and your star running back for Syracuse. That could be a kryptonite for Virginia Tech's defense. We saw it in the Bud Foster days capped off by Bryce Perkins and Lynn Lynn Bowden with Kentucky, obviously Perkins with UVA. We've seen it a little bit in the Justin Hamilton era so far in his uh, his first two years as defensive coordinator, but hopefully they can make some adjustments because I think there's a chance Syracuse can run all over the Hokies as well, which doesn't bode well because Virginia Tech's defense is, is really their only shot in winning this game. And that's scary to think about because I said it on our 33-4 podca- podcast excuse me, earlier today. I, I talked about how... Virginia Tech's defense could hold Syracuse to 17 points, and there's no guarantee they will win that game because Syracuse's defense, and we'll get to it in a minute, is solid. And Virginia Tech, there's no guarantee they could put up 17 points. I mean, they only put up seven last week. And really, you know, if not for the couple pass interference calls, I don't know if they would have scored and the shutout streak would have been broken, which dates back to 1995, I believe, against Cincinnati. Some more numbers on the orange. Here's what I mean by a lack of receiving game. Sean Tucker is actually their leading receiver, 224 yards on the year. Now, now in the running game, I don't mean to zigzag a little bit. Tucker has added nine touchdowns on the year, so has Schrader. So 18 touchdowns, well, 20 touchdowns in total for that Q's backfield. But Schrader and Tucker, they're going to be threats on the ground. Anyway, back to the, back to the receiving core. Sean Tucker is your leading receiver with 224 yards and two touchdowns. And then after that... Courtney Jackson and Tosh Harris are your one and two, 207 yards for Jackson on the year and 171 for Harris. Now, neither of those guys have gotten in the end zone. Now, Anthony Quealy has 166 yards on the year with two touchdowns. And then Damian Alford, 148 yards and a touchdown. That Syracuse receiving core is, it's lacking, but I don't think it will matter because I think Syracuse is literally just going to run the ball all game long. Which also, you know, doesn't bode well for Virginia Tech because I don't know how much how, how much times they're going to get the ball. But on the flip side, I think the Hokies will run a similar game plan than they did against, or, or the yeah yeah when when they played Clemson last year and then North Carolina earlier this season. I thought they'd do it last week against Pitt, but when you can't move the ball, you can't really do that. And what I mean by that is snapping the ball pretty much when the play clock is at 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 uh, at zero. More stats on Syracuse. Well, really just an overview of them. We'll go to the Virginia Tech defense, and then we'll flip to the Orange's defense. Big picture, Syracuse, they will not throw the ball. They're not going to have to unless it's a do-or-die situation. If Syracuse has to throw the ball, that's going to bowl well for Virginia Tech because that means the Hokies are winning the game most likely. Late in the game, that is. And that duo with Schrader and... And Tucker in the backfield is, is is pretty deadly. So if Virginia Tech has any shot of winning this one, they got to contain both those guys to to a certain level, whatever whatever contain may mean for Justin Hamilton and Justin Fuente over there at Virginia Tech. But Tucker's going to be the best running back they face all year. So you got to buckle down if you're those guys up front and guys like Dax Hollifield, who will be back for the full game and Alan Tisdale. Gotta be ready to play. And I know they will be, but you know, you gotta you gotta hold the cues down as best as you possibly can if they want to win this one. Defensively for Virginia Tech, and then we'll flip back to Syracuse. Jermaine Waller, he's questionable for this one. I think the Hokies badly need him to play. Devin Hunter's now out for the year. So so is Dean Ferguson. Both had season-ending surgeries. This past week. And Sierra Peoples is still your leading tackler. And then Alan Tisdell and Dax Halifield have had really, really good years. Just going just going position group by position group up uh, uh, front for Virginia Tech. They had a solid game against Pitt last week. They got after Kenny Pickett a multitude of times. He did scramble away to his credit a good chunk of those times. But that defensive front for Virginia Tech, they they've been okay. And then The linebacking core for the Hokies has been fantastic. The secondary did take a step back the last two weeks, in my opinion. And then the corners still have been really, really good. Dorian Strong and Jermaine Waller, they've been fantastic all year long. Hopefully Waller can play. Really, the only only long pass play that Waller has given up all year long was that that one-on-one with, uh, his name's escaping me, with Pitt where he caught it at the three-yard line where or when it was a 7 nothing game. He came down with it. They reviewed it. It was a catch. It was basically just a better catch than it was a defensive play. Nothing really Waller could do there. Had great one-on-one coverage. So this Virginia Tech defense, they're going to have to step up, but we won't talk about the Hokies that that much because you all know about them. Syracuse, their defense is pretty good. People forget about that. You know, I was talking to Giovanni Heater, who's one of my better friends in our SMA program at Virginia Tech. He was on the Tech Sideline Podcast earlier this week, and we were talking about this game we were running it down. and He was telling me he was like, you know, I other than receiver, I don't think there is another position group that Virginia Tech outmatches Syracuse. Now you can argue the linebackers, but Syracuse is good there. Michael Jones and Stephon Thompson are fantastic. Michael Jones, as their leading tackler, was sixty four on the year. And that's not even close. Thompson trails him at 41. So those two guys, they're fantastic. The corners for Syracuse, they're really good as well. You know, Dorian Strong, Jermaine Waller, they probably get close to matching that one. But guys like Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut, who's who was the Orange's highest-ranked recruit, I believe, that they have gotten in the Dino Babers era, they're pretty locked down. And they should have an opportunity to match up well against guys like Tavion Robinson and, and, and Trey Turner and the guys up front as well. I mean, that line always been solid this year for Syracuse, always been solid really, you know, throughout the last 20 years for Syracuse. And I expect nothing less on Saturday, especially against a Virginia Tech offensive line that really, quite frankly, has struggled the last few weeks. Even Justin Fuente came out and said he's been a little bit disappointed in how that group has played, especially with it being such a veteran group. So we'll see how they respond this weekend against a physical orange defensive front some more notes overall in this one you know we talked about it coming in this game can really decide if tech loses where the Hokies go for the remainder of the Justin Fuente era now Dino Babers came into the year very much on the hot seat as well they've probably overachieved to this point now he's still very well could be gone at the end of the year I think Syracuse fans wouldn't be opposed to that especially his late late game clock management against Clemson last week but Syracuse you know they're having a decent year they're three and four overall and they're 0-3 0-3 in the ACC, but all three losses have come by a combined nine points. All were, were three-point losses. 33-30 at Florida State, a 40-37 to do- double overtime loss to Wake Forest, and then that 17-14 Friday night loss to Clemson last weekend. They did fall earlier in the year to Rutgers. That was probably their worst performance of the year, only putting up seven points in a 17-7 defeat, but that was still Tommy DeVito that had the keys under center for Syracuse. They really actually picked it up. Now, they have dropped three straights. So I should be careful saying that. But they really picked it up offensively when DeVito, or excuse me, Schrader took over behind center for Syracuse when they took down Liberty in the Carrier Dome by a score of 24 to 21. So Dino Baber is still very much, you know, his seat is still warm, but he's definitely had a better year than I think a lot of people have predicted. And if he can win in Blacksburg, which would be the second time he's he's taken down the Hokies, in his six-year tenure up in Syracuse, that would be a huge win for him in this program. If you remember Coach Fuente and Coach Babers' first year at the helm, respectively, both helms, respectively, Syracuse upset Virginia Tech at the carrier dome by a score of 31-17, to I believe. That was really the first bad loss of the Justin Fuente era and really the first signature win of the Syracuse era or of the Dino Babers era at Syracuse. I remember students stormed the field. I think Tech was ranked 17 in that one-something, in that ballpark. So that was definitely a, a, a pro game, a program building win for Syracuse. And, you know, they, you know, Dino is definitely taking that program to new heights. You know, we saw them win 10 games for the first time since 2000, I believe. And, you know, he, he almost bolted for Tennessee or maybe Ole miss was thrown in there. A couple sec jobs didn't do so remained at Syracuse, signed a huge extension. That's, paying off now because it's probably what kept him his job and you know in another sense it has not paid off because he's remained up at Syracuse and they've now you know they're coming off of a one in ten season now obviously they're much improved this year and they're going to have a shot to be good these next few years because offensively they're young especially with Sean Tucker and defensively they're young as well so I think Dino can stick around there for sure when I think of Virginia Tech Syracuse though just overall on the game and I should have touched on this earlier I went straight to personnel, but you know when I think of Virginia Tech Syracuse, I think of the old Big East days. You know the Orange haven't come to Blacksburg since 2003. They've only played once in the ACC, as I just touched on. But the one thing that does come to mind was, or is, either the Donovan McNabb game up at the Dome in '98, in I want to say, I think that sounds right. And then on the Virginia Tech side, the 1999 game where Tech was blowing them out by a score of 62 to seven. Michael Vick was the quarterback that year. Obviously that was the year that we went to the national championship. And there's that one image of the Hokey bird stepping on top of the Syracuse orange men, I believe is what they call him, Otto the orange, something like that. I'll have to ask Gio about that, but, but that's what comes to mind when I think of Virginia tech Syracuse and hopefully I'll, you know, have some better memories of it. Not that, the 1999 game wasn't a bad memory, but hopefully I'll have some better recent memories of this matchup come Saturday evening watching from Milwaukee. Probably will have it pulled up on my phone, kind of sneaking my phone out of my pocket a couple of times during the reception, trying to figure out what's going on in Lane Stadium in Blacksburg between Virginia Tech and Syracuse. A win for the Hokies would propel them to 4-3 and three on the year and 2-1 and in the ACC, a loss And I think Tech is in danger of missing their second consecutive bowl game and possibly firing their head coach for the first time since 1986 with Bill Dooley. On the other hand, for Syracuse, you know, they have a shot at a bowl game as well. You know, I want to say they do, especially if they win this one. It would even up the record at 4-4 and overall. But if they're going to get to that six-win mark, it's going to have to be in these next three games, I believe, Obviously, they'd have to get the win in Blacksburg, and then they host Boston College and travel to Louisville. So they'd have to probably get to six that way because then they'd have to go to Raleigh to face off against NC State and host a very good Pittsburgh Panthers team. So I got to make a pick. You know, I kind of was all over the place on what I was previewing in this one, but hey, I was just kind of speaking my mind, so I apologize if you lost me at any point, but hopefully you were able to hang on with me. I was going to go Virginia Tech actually until, I don't know, I want to say this morning. Just looking at the matchup overall, what Syracuse possesses on the offensive end and the run game, and really how, how good they are defensively against a bad Virginia Tech offense that probably will finish worse, or they'll probably finish 14th, which is good for the worst in the ACC from a statistical standpoint. I really just don't think it's a very good matchup for Virginia Tech. And why I say that is, now I... I think Virginia Tech's defense is right there with Syracuse's defense, but it's more of a question mark on whether Virginia Tech's defense can stop Syracuse's offense compared to can Syracuse's defense stop Virginia Tech's offense. So for that reason, to my surprise, coming into the year, I have the Syracuse Orange beating Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium. And I go back and forth on this one just because – Part of me just says that's hard to imagine happening. But I think it does happen, and that's going to spend the Fuente era in probably a never-ending spiral and is going to bring up some major question marks and looking in the mirror for Virginia Tech the rest of the way to avoid missing, like I mentioned, their second consecutive bowl game. Hopefully that's not the case, though. Like I said, I'll be watching fearlessly and fiercely, up in Milwaukee as Virginia Tech hosts Syracuse. That'll do it, episode 51 of the Goblet Podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Take care, Hokies. Have a great weekend. If you're traveling to Blacksburg, enjoy the game. Be loud. Show your support. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, we'll get some great guests back on starting next week, but that for certain is coming over a span of the next couple of weeks as basketball season approaches and football season will be winding down. Take care, Hokies. We will talk to you next week as we will preview Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech from Bobby Dodd Stadium in Atlanta. Talk to you soon.